Pesach already in the nine days and actually more severely in the week of Tisha B'Av. Definitely we want to transform sadness to joy. And the most powerful tool is Tyra. So it's great to be learning now. So last chapter, chapter 10, we spoke about needing two different emotions. We said that before davening, you need this humility, this lower repentance. And when you begin davening, when you begin prayer, you need joy. And therefore, which is the higher repentance. And therefore, the Alter Rebbe advised working on the lower repentance the night before, at least once a week, Thursday night. And then you have the preliminary state of lower repentance. And then the next morning, or on the mornings, when you begin your prayer, you begin with joy and go to the higher one. Because it's hard to have these two, how can you have simultaneously brokenness and joy? Low repentance and high repentance. That was chapter 10. Chapter 11, we're going to say, actually, you can. So the Rebbe begins, actually, you can. How can you have simultaneously this brokenness, this humility, and this joy? Because we actually already learned this in the previous section of Tanya, in the first section of Tanya, at the end of chapter 34, the Rebbe's there was explaining that since these two emotions are coming from two completely different sources, in that case, in, in chapter 34, we're talking about the pain over the animal soul and the joy of the godly soul. So since it's two completely different issues, you can have two emotions that seem so contradictory and they don't wipe each other out. And there is then and now brings the same proof text from the Zohar. It speaks in the Zohar that Rebbe Lazar, who is the son of the famous Kabbalist of Trimbar Yochai, after his father taught him the mystical secret of the destruction of the temple, he said, wow, such pain is embedded in my heart on one side and such joy is embedded in my heart on the other side. Meaning, now I really understand the destruction of the temple. So the more I understand the destruction, the more I'm in pain. At the same time, I'm full of joy because now I know such secrets of, of God's wisdom such mystical, esoteric secrets my father just revealed to me. So I have such intense pain and such intense joy simultaneously. So the Rebbe says, so too us. We can have the pain, the brokenness of the lower tshuva, the lower repentance, and the joy of the coming close to God, of the fusion with God, of the higher repentance, and the kind of introduction searches. So we truly can have them simultaneously. And then the Rebbe says, and there's a third feeling you should have as well. Besides the brokenness, the humility, and besides the joy, you should have faith and confidence. You should be so confident and trust God that God forgives. And then the Rebbe brings many different proof texts for this point that if I turn to God sincerely, I know he forgives. It's a done deal. There's no question, as we see in the prayer of Shemona Esrei, that we say to God, please forgive us, and we conclude with a blessing. Blessed are you, God, who forgives. Now, if there's any doubt about making a blessing, you're not allowed to say it, because we don't take God's name in vain, and in a blessing is God's name. So the fact that we can say with God's name in the prayer, you forgive, that means we know he does. And we actually, if we didn't mess up again, from forgiveness, we should go immediately to redemption, as actually we see, if you would look in the Shimon Esri prayer, 
what is a paragraph following forgive us and blessed are you God who forgives? Blessed are you God who redeems. Brachat Hashem go El Yisrael. That's the following paragraph. Why is that the following paragraph? Because if we did the repentance, which means we know God forgives, what's next? Next is Geula. Next is redemption. Once we're forgiven, so why are we still in exile? And the Rebbe is saying, the only reason we're still in exile is because we messed up again. But otherwise, we shouldn't be. And the Rebbe says, obviously, we know God forgives because even a human forgives. And we are told that if someone doesn't forgive, it's so cruel just to the degree that if you did something wrong to another person, and three times, three different days, you can't do it in a row, three separate occasions, you ask the person sincerely for forgiveness, and they refuse to forgive you, then we're told, you don't have to ask anymore. You did your end, because a human being should be compassionate and forgive. And when King David asked the give onim to forgive King Saul, who killed the people, and they refused to do that, and they asked for a horrific very, very cruel punishment to be meted out to King Saul's descendants, grandchildren. King David said, Gibeonim cannot become Jews. Because he said, Jews are merciful. So if you act like this, fine, I'll do what you want. Yes, King Saul killed out your people wrongly. Yes, I'll give you the, 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 the blood money you're asking for. But you can't become Jews, because Jews forgive. So, if human beings are supposed to forgive immediately, and if human beings are not forgiving, we say, heck, sure can't be Jewish. That's not a very Jewish trait. Then, obviously, we know God forgives. But the truth is, you could say then, you could have a question. You could say, well, wait a minute. If I'm saying every human, a mere mortal, forgives, why am I making such a big deal that God forbid? Why, why am I praising God? Why do we have all these words of praise of God that he, he's so kind, he's so great, he's so wonderful, he forgives us? We're saying, and if a human didn't, we would call that cruel. So why are we so surprised and why is it such a niceness on God's part that he forgives? So for that, let's wait till tomorrow. Good luck.